You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another Locked On Fantasy Basketball Fast Break Edition podcast. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today we're going to be looking at the top 20 rookies in fantasy leagues as well as doing a check-in on the San Antonio Spurs, the Toronto Raptors, the Utah Jazz and the Washington Wizards. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Hey guys, let's take a look at the top 20 rookies in fantasy basketball over the last two weeks going on per game value here with these guys. And no surprise that number one is DeAndre Ayton as the number one rookie over the last two weeks. In fact, he's the number seven overall player in fantasy basketball, averaging a ridiculous 21 and a half points with 13 rebounds and 67% from the field, by far his best category on 15 attempts. That is the thing that's really driving that elevated rank there for Ayton. He's also shooting 78% from the line also. Just the one block per game, but the 1.7 steals are really nice as well. Now, I do believe that his block numbers are always going to limit his overall ceiling, but of course, if his ceiling is a guy that can do this, then we're talking about an elite fantasy prospect, an NBA prospect for years to come. 67% from the field, it feels relatively high, but it's not completely unachievable. You've seen guys like Steven Adams and DeAndre Jordan put up mid-60s, low 70s in field goal percentage before. Ayton's more of a jump shooter than those guys, so at some point he's going to extend his range out and that's going to drop his efficiency, so don't be surprised if that happens, but really, really strong form from him. You just wish that the blocks could get to 1.6 or 1.7, then he'd really solidify himself in that top 20, top 15 type of range. The number two rookie is Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, number 42 overall, averaging 23.5, and 6.5, and a steal a game, three triples. 45 and 73. The percentages still drag him down a little bit. If we get improvement there, then he jumps back up into that top 30, top 25 discussion. But he is going to be a top 50 guy the rest of the way. I think getting him to the top 20 for this season is probably going to be a stretch. But everything we're seeing from Doncic at the moment, still yet to turn 20, is uh, is pretty good for the future of him and uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, if you've got him in any sort of dynasty format, you're locked in as a top 20 guy, top 15 guy, probably for the next 10 years. Number three, it's good to see this guy jump back up to a number 62 overall, the third-ranked rookie, Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. It's because of the shooting. He was shooting at like 35, 36%. Over the last seven games, he's up to 47%, including 50% from three. The assists are excellent, 8.7 assists. He's getting a steal per game. He's getting to the line a decent amount, three and a half times per game. It is pretty strong from Trey Young. This is about the zone that I think we should look for him to be, that 60 to 90 type of range. The field goal percentage is going to vary quite a bit because he is quite hit or miss with the shots. Uh, he needs to take more attempts from three, only uh, under three attempts per game over those last seven games, meaning 1.4 triples. Uh, he needs to be taking way more threes than that. For example, Doncic is taking seven threes a game. McCall Bridges is taking four and a half threes per game. You know, Young needs to be up into that range, and that can really help his value, especially if he's hitting them at a decent enough rate, not that 24% that he was hitting them at earlier in the season. So it's good to see him jump back up. Speaking of McCall Bridges, he is the number four ranked rookie, 90th overall. Only eight points per game, but a block, 1.6 steals, 1.6 threes, 86% from the line. His value comes from defensive numbers. Now, 
defensive numbers can be a little bit inconsistent. They can vary quite a bit. So that means at some point you might see him as a top 50 guy. Other times he might be a top 200 guy, depending on how those steals and blocks are coming along. But if you need those numbers, his minutes feel relatively secure on this Phoenix team. He's consistently playing more minutes than Kelly Oubre and Josh Jackson, and that's useful. Getting that triple one type of numbers with good free throw percentage and decent enough field goal percentage can be really valuable. The number five ranked rookie is Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies, the fifth ranked, uh, uh, sorry, the 94th ranked overall player. Only 25 minutes a game, but 16 points, a three, five and a half rebounds, 0.7 blocks and 0.7 steals on 55 and 82. So there's a few things there that you look at and go, well, clearly he's a must roster player, but there's massive improvement there. 25 minutes is ridiculous from JB Bickerstaff. Foul trouble does limit Jackson, no doubt. He did play over 30 last game, so that's a positive. Um, he's going to block more shots than this in, in, in general, 0.7 blocks per game. So that can come up and he should be able to hit one to one and a half, three. So he is a top 50 upside guy for this season, a top 20 upside guy for future seasons. And it clearly is a must roster guy, despite there being some shaky moments at times. The number six ranked rookie is 119th overall, Rowdy Rodion's Kuroks of the Brooklyn Nets, 29 minutes a game, 11.5 points with 5 rebounds. He's going to be starting for at least the next couple of weeks with Alan Crabb sidelined, and I get the feeling, and I'm pretty, I feel more and more confident with this every day, that Kuroks is going to be the starter for the remainder of the season. Solid rebounder, half uh, over half a block, 0.8 blocks, 0.7 steals, 47 and 81. These are all solid-ish type numbers. He's not a must-roster 12-team league guy. He's absolutely must-roster in 14 or deeper, and he's available in 88% of leagues, and he is 100% in consideration for 12-team leagues, as I imagine he will continue to start. And the next guy is a player who I think is going to really push up into must-roster territory. The seventh-ranked overall rookie, DeAnthony Melton of the Phoenix Suns. He's 131st over the last two weeks in only 24 minutes a game and scoring under six points per game. But he is giving you two steals per game over half a block, and 2.3 assists. And I think the minutes will push from 24 to 26 or 27. Uh, the shooting at 35% at the moment will improve. He blocks shots, he rebounds, he gets steals in big amounts, he can get assists as well. I think he's a guy who is, well, I know he's a guy that's 97% available in Yahoo leagues, and I think he's going to be that next guy who pushes into solid top 120 value. So if you want to take a step forward on someone, the trending in him is going in the right direction, much like we saw with Derek White a couple of weeks ago. Um, we're seeing that now with DeAnthony Melton. I do like him as a long-term top 100, probably top 70 type prospect. The next rookie we talk about, the eighth overall guy, uh, in rookies, 134th um, uh, in all players is Devontae Graham, who looks like he's going to continue to start as long as Jeremy Lamb is out with his hamstring injury. He played some minutes with Tony Parker out and then replaced Lamb. The 3.2 assists and 1.8 steals is what's really driving his numbers here. He could be a real short-term guy. I think that he's going to be very interesting next season when the Hornets have to make decisions on both Kemba Walker and Tony Parker. I think Graham will be, at minimum, the backup point guard playing 20 minutes a night. And for Dynasty Leagues, that should give you some idea of being a top 200, top 170 sort of guy, I think, in 20 minutes a game. And he's really starting to show that in that group of a... You know, the second round, early second round point guards, uh, Javon Carter and um, the burner, uh, Jalen Brunson, that Graham, I think, is going to be the best out of that trio. The next guy, we look at the ninth ranked rookie, 152 overall, Wendell Carter Jr., only 24 minutes a game, 10 and 8 on 53 and 86% shooting with 0.8 blocks. He's being ruined by Jim Boylan. Um, it was trending in the right direction, and then Boylan played him just 13 minutes last game. 
Hopefully that means that it's the end of this sort of nonsense from Jim and he gets back to his minutes. He has been a little bit tough to roster, but even in these limited minutes, Carter is still just on the, the cusp of the top 150. And I do think that if you are in a relatively decent position in your league, you should be holding on to him because we're talking top 90, top 70 type upside for him if he plays high 20s in minutes. The 10th ranked rookie, 153 overall, Shake Milton. It's one game. He played four minutes and he had two steals, so let's completely ignore that. Number 11 is the Rock DJ, Robbie Williams, 180th overall. He's only played two games in this time frame. It's a lot of blocks. He's dealing with a groin issue, and with Al Horford back, he's not going to be an every-night rotation player. We love his ability to come in and get blocks, but when you're not going to play, it's not really that useful. The 12th ranked overall rookie, uh, 189th of all players, is Kevin Herter, 189th there, as I said, 34 minutes a game. His uh, efficiency has dropped way off, 38% from the field, 60% from the line, and 32% from three. The key number, though, is the 34 minutes and the fact that he's getting over three assists, 0.6 steals, and 0.7 blocks. I think he maintains 30 minutes a night all season, even when Baysmore and Prince are back. He will shoot better than this as the season progresses, and to me, he is a must-roster player in 12-team leagues. The 13th-ranked rookie is the 194th guy overall, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's seen his minutes decrease significantly lately under Doc Rivers. I don't agree with it. Avery Bradley shouldn't be getting those minutes, and Shea shouldn't be playing 19 a game. Uh, I do believe in Shea. He's an efficient shooter. He gets some assists, not great amounts, but uh, can steal, can get blocks. But if he's playing 20 minutes a night, then he's not a 12-team league guy. And there's probably more upside on your wire. Kurooks, Melton, if I'm just looking at Rich's McCall, uh, rookies. McCall Bridge is another guy that I'd probably be looking to add over Gildas Alexander. But I do like Shea's long-term upside whenever Avery Bradley is out of there. The number 14th ranked rookie just inside the top 200 is the Fort Kevin Knox, 39 minutes a game. And that really speaks to how bad of a fantasy player he is. 39 minutes, 17 and a half points is okay. Two threes is okay. And then just nothing. Five and a half rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.2 blocks on 39 and 71. He is a massive drag in all categories. He's hard to roster in Roto leagues. Um, hard in category leagues, not quite as hard as Roto. A better option in points leagues. I still do think that he is a 12-team must-roster guy, but he's got his clear deficiencies. They were clear when he entered the league. They're clearer now. He's somehow worse than I thought he was going to be in those areas. And it's a real worry in terms of his overall game. But a lot of things, assist rate in particular, efficiency numbers, these things do increase as players hit into their second and third year. So it's something to give him a bit of hope there, I guess. The number 15th ranked rookie, 199 overall, Harry Giles of the Kings. I don't know if he's going to get a regular rotation spot, only 12 minutes a game and only three games in this time frame. He should be playing over Costa Kufos, but with Dave Yeager in charge and with the Kings playing well, that, that's not likely to happen. And then Harry, uh, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley's got a return, putting a further cramp on Giles. I'm not as high on Giles as many people are long-term for Dynasty, but he's shown some flashes this season. The 16th ranked rookie is at 213th overall, Aaron Holiday of the Indiana Pacers. Um, he's out of the rotation pretty much with Tyreek Evans back. He's just going to have spot minutes, but Darren Collison and Corey Joseph and Tyreek Evans are all unrestricted free agents next season. So you could see Holiday, much like I talked about with Devontae Graham, move into a larger role as a backup point guard or maybe even a starting point guard, although I think that would be somewhat of a stretch. He's shown some um, decent form with assists. His shooting's been a little bit wild. I don't really believe in him long-term, and I don't think that he is a long-term starting point guard in the NBA. 
The next rookie we want to talk about is the 17th ranked rookie overall. 248th is the young bull, Colin Sexton. 30 minutes a game, 13 points. The four assists is actually a bit of a surprise from him, but just brutal percentages, 32 from the field. Uh, 86 from the line is pretty nice. 21 from three is disgusting. He just doesn't do enough in the other areas. Only had three steals in the last six games, no blocks, only three triples as well, a low rebounding guy. He's pretty tough to roster in 12-team leagues, and with the Cavs getting a bit of guard depth back, Jordan Clarkson's there, Matty Dellavedova added in Pat McCaw, Rocket Rodney Hood's back, Alec Burks is there. Maybe he goes from a 34-minute-a-night guy to a 30-minute-a-night guy, drops in usage, and then doesn't become anywhere near a useful enough fantasy guy outside of points leagues. The next guy that we look at, of course, is uh, the Shark. Baby shark that is Bruce Brown Jr. of the Detroit Pistons, the 18th ranked rookie, 249th overall. 22 minutes a night as a starter. He's not. I believe in Brown long term. I think he can be a top 150 guy in the next three to four seasons um, on his ability to get some assists, some steals, decent blocks, and be an okay-ish shooter, not a great one. Um, but for this season, it's just not happening, but he is a guy that I do want to watch long-term. Next up at number 19 is Jalen Brunson, 263rd overall, 20 minutes a night for Brunson, um, three assists, but he's out of the rotation now that everyone is back healthy. He'll play some spot minutes in blowouts. That's about it. He could take on a JJ Barea role at some point, um, over the next couple of seasons. I don't think his long-term upside is that high. While the 20th ranked rookie is Ali Kobo, 269th overall. He was back in the rotation last game, taking a lot of Jamal Crawford's minutes, which is what he continually should do. I like his ability to shoot. He can get assists. He can get steals. That's not going to come to fruition, though, on this Suns team, and he is really just a long-term dynasty stash. In terms of big-name rookies outside the top 20, Mo Bumba is the uh, 26th-ranked guy. He is nothing more than a, a dynasty stash guy. He just isn't going to get the playing time uh, to be impactful this season. And then you've got way down the list there. Just got to count these numbers up to see where he is. 27, 28, 29, 30. The 30th-ranked rookie is Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, a few extra minutes last game with Cody Zeller out but not going to be an impactful rookie outside of you know, really deep dynasty formats um, and nobody else really to talk about there with those rookies. So that is the top 20 rookies over the last two weeks. Fantasy check-in now for the San Antonio Spurs. LaMarcus Aldridge had been struggling earlier in the season with his efficiency. That's back on track. 56% over the last six games from the field, 83 from the line, and back to being a top 30 guy. While DeMar DeRozan also scoring 20 points per game, and he's sitting around that top 35 mark as well. They're really buoyed by the 1.5 steals, higher than what he normally does, and seven assists, which of course is a career high for him. The guy who's really trending on this Spurs team, and I think is a must-roster player, is Derek White. Only 28 minutes a game, but the 34th ranked player over the last two weeks, because he's getting steals in bunches to a game, 3.8 assists, four rebounds, and and 1.2 blocks. Now, the 54% from the field is a little bit fluky. He can be decently efficient, though. He's a big guard. But those blocks, while they look stupidly high, and they are, he's a bloody good shot blocker. He showed it in college at Colorado. He showed it for the Austin Spurs last season. He blocks shots, and he does it consistently. Now, at the start of his season, he wasn't doing it. He's much more confident, much more comfortable now, and it's coming, and he is a must-roster player. The other guy who is a top 100 player for this Spurs team is Bryn Forbes. I don't think Forbes is a great NBA player, but he's got a solid 30-plus minute-a-night role. He's hitting two-and-a-half threes with 14-and-a-half points on 49% shooting with almost four assists. That's worthy of consideration, at least in 12-team leagues. Now, I don't think that the assist numbers 
or that three-point shooting will necessarily stick. But he's a guy that's a top 100 player, and you have to put that into consideration. Outside of that, Rudy Gay slumping at the moment, dealing with a wrist issue, 26 minutes a game over the last five. Outside the top 170, the efficiency, which is massively sky high to begin this season, has dropped 40% from the field, 24% from three. So this could be a case of see if anyone drops him, and I'd add him off the waiver wire. And those numbers he was putting up to begin the season weren't going to be able to stick, and we're seeing that pretty comfortably now. I think in 10-team leagues, he's really a borderline uh, roster guy. I it depends on who's on your wire, but I wouldn't be holding on to him with dear life. And there's not much else happening with this Spurs team. Guys like Bertans and Ballinelli, they can be streamed in for triples. They're hitting over two threes per game themselves, but doing very, very little else. And their roles will be relatively inconsistent, especially Bertans. Fantasy check-in now for the Toronto Raptors. Of course, the big query with this team is what is going on with Kyle Lowry's back. He's missed almost all of the last two weeks. He's having injections in it. It's definitely a worrisome sign. I I do think long-term he's going to be fine, but there's a clear concern there. And while he is out, Fred Van Vliet's a guy to roster in 12-team leagues. Van Vliet is a top 130 guy over those last two weeks, 32 minutes, four and a half assists. He's shooting poorly. He's normally a better shooter than this, 39% from the field, uh, under a steal per game. But I think that he is a guy that you roster, but you're well aware that his long-term value disappears as soon as Lowry returns. Pascal Siakam, who'd been massively strong, a top 40, top 30 guy at portions this season, he's just inside the top 100, 99th overall, because that ludicrous 66% field goal percentage has dropped down to 48%. Now, 48% is much lower than what we expect it to be moving forward, but I also don't expect it to be that otherworldly number there he was to begin the season. He's still averaging 17 and 8. The defensive numbers are lacking. He doesn't do much in those other areas, and I talked ad nauseum about how much his extreme field goal percentage was driving his ranking, and when that normalizes, then he probably falls outside that top 50 in that 70 type of a range. Serge Barker also going through a bit of a troublesome streak, 37% from the field and 33% from the free throw line. That is obviously putrid. 29 minutes a game as he returns from that knee issue. It's a bit of a buy low situation, I believe, on a Barker. Uh, and Dan Green, 184th over the last two weeks. He's so hit and miss. He's more of a, a McCall Bridges type who gets steals and blocks and threes. I'd Probably actually prefer to have Bridges over Green. Green is more of a 14-team league, maybe 16-team league guy. And if you're rostering him in 12-team leagues, honestly appraise your roster and tell me he's not your worst guy. And if that if he is your worst guy, then you're better off just moving that piece around, streaming it, trying to grab that next hot free agent, DeAnthony Melton, Derek White, Luke Cornett, Thomas Bryan, whoever the guy is. That's what you should be doing with that position. Norman Powell has overtaken CJ Miles in the rotation, so that is of importance to 18-team leagues and probably uh, maybe even 16-team leagues. Powell is a guy who can be a dynamic scorer, so keep an eye on him, but it's just for those deeper-type formats. Fantasy check-in now for the Utah Jazz, a team that is uh, starting to hit its stride a bit, but still some concerns with some of their players. Number one being Donovan Mitchell, who is massively struggling at the moment, outside the top 140 in fantasy ranks over the last two weeks, because he is shooting 38% from the field and 63% from the free throw line. Pair that with 27% from three-point land, and it's a real issue in terms of his production. 16.5 points only, under two threes, three and a half assists, 1.3 steals. He's down pretty much in every single category. That makes him a very, very aggressive buy low guy. I think he'll get back to being solid enough to be a top 50, maybe top 60 guy, 
But that top 30 projection, which we thought he could get to this season, I think that seems out of reach. He just isn't taking those steps forward that we would hope. In fact, his teammate Dante Exum is actually ranked higher than him over the last two weeks, despite playing only 19 minutes a game. Exum's looked very, very good over this time frame. I still don't think he's a 12 or probably even a 14-team league ad, um, but his ability to, to shoot or get to the rim is, is obviously there. His assists have been much improved. I think there's a little bit of flukiness involved in that. Gobert is 24th. He's sort of in that right range where he is, and, and the free throws have improved, which is a good thing. While ravishing Rick Rubio, I see a lot of people asking me, like, should I drop Rubio? I don't know why you would. He's still a top 60 player over the last two weeks. 14 points, 8 assists, 1.2 steals. 42%. He's not a guy that I would consider dropping in literally any single format. While Jingle and Joe Ingles, he is struggling. Um, maybe in an eight-team league, I, I would drop Ingles. Uh, outside of that, I, I'd hold tight. I'd probably buy low. The shots just aren't falling. 31% from three. He's still giving you 1.5 steals and 5.3 assists. Two numbers, which re- really are the backbone of his fantasy game. It's just that the shots aren't going in for Ingles. That's reducing his minutes a little bit. He's a weird 54% from the free throw line as well. So there's an, a couple of negatives that are really dropping his numbers down. And then the power forward uh, platoon, Derek Favors and Jay Crowder. Both of these guys are outside the top 135. Favors at 137 and Crowder at 168. I think they're both 14-team league type players. Favors can have some borderline 12-team value, but not a guy that is necessarily a, a must-roster player. And then there's not much else happening on this Jazz team, you know, Royce O'Neal, Tabo Cephalosha, um, Kyle Korver. Korver's a, a three-point stream specialist, and that's really about it. Fantasy check-in for the Washington Wizards. Markeith Morris has been announced to be out for six weeks with a neck injury. That means you must add Thomas Bryant anywhere you can. The 28th-ranked player over the last two weeks, averaging 16-9 and nine with a block. 75% shooting is absolutely due to regress, but we've seen the games with Morris out. He plays 30-plus minutes, and that is absolutely a must-roster guy. Otto Porter is back. He's played one game, just the 14 minutes. So that means Jeff Green, who is a top 100 player over the last two weeks, is going to see those 32 minutes a night reduced, but not reduced massively because he will take on some of Morris's load. If you do have Green in a 12-team league, maybe just hold on and see where this all goes with the Morris absence and what Green's role is going to be. Thomas Satoransky, now the starting point guard. He is a must-roster player, averaging uh, 11.5, 4.5, and 4.5 with 1.5 steals. Uh, in 33 minutes a night. The only reason he's not a top 100 player is because he's an uncharacteristic 70, 67% from the free throw line. He's normally a high 80s guy there, so that'll improve. He'll go back inside the top 100, and he needs to be rostered. While Trevor Ariza is doing okay, the field goals are a real problem, 35% on 13 attempts. Um, his assists are up, which is probably a factor with wall out. The, the steals are nice, rebounding okay, hitting threes. He's doing all those things, but you've got to be able to deal with that field goal percentage. I think Brad Beal's got a chance to finish the season as a top 12 guy. Without Wall, he's getting a ton more usage, assists, minutes, all that stuff is moving in his favor. While uh, Troy Brown, their first round pick, he's just not going to play, it appears. Really limited stuff. Don't expect him to have any impact in fantasy this season at all, unless the Wizards go through some sort of extreme shakeup, which isn't uh, out of the question. And that'll do it for another Locked On Fantasy Basketball Fast Break Podcast. Next week, I'm going to try and change up the fantasy check-ins. I'm going to ask for you guys to ask me a question for each team, and I'll answer that question in the uh, the check-in segment. We'll see how that works. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and uh, subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.